I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is not as simple as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened up so many more doors. The show is called The The Deal. Deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Today on the Joel Clash Show, we have eight game previews. We're going to find out a lot about the Big 12 race, Pac-12 race, ACC race, and even the SEC race this week. Let's get into it. College football has never been better. Interest has never been higher. Believe that we are at the dawn of the golden age of college football. It was an epic day of college football. It was one of those days where you fall in love with the sport all over again. Hey, welcome into the program, everybody. I am Joel Klatt. This is the Joel Klatt Show, and this show is presented by Hampton, by Hilton. Very much thankful for their support uh, and partnership throughout this entire series uh, season, and it's been uh, really awesome to have them aboard. We've got a lot to get into today. I've got eight game previews, eight. And as we dive into November, we just have to remember... The games we remember are played in November. Lots of stuff right there. Lots of stuff. Okay. Uh, If you want to follow on social media, do that. Wherever you like to social media. If you're over 65 and on Facebook, great. Then you're there. If you're under 25 and on TikTok, we're there as well. So we got you covered. Wherever you like to social media, we're there at Joel Klatt Show. You can follow me. Uh, I do most of my social media on Twitter or Instagram. You can follow me at Joel Klatt on Twitter at Joel underscore Klatt on Instagram. Um, Remember to follow the show and subscribe to the show wherever you're getting your podcasts, wherever you're watching your podcasts, subscribe and then share it with a friend because this month it's going to get real. We have not had a a season quite like this one in a long time. And so you're going to want to get your friends all on board for the program so that you guys can talk shop and talk college football every day of the week as we get things going here in the month of November. Okay. So now that we got all that housekeeping out of the way, let's get into these games because we're going to find out so much about the races in the Big 12, the Pac-12, the ACC, the SEC. Like a lot of things are going to get cleared up this weekend. And it starts with the game that I'm at. And that's Gus, Jenny, and I down in Austin, Texas, as Texas takes on the defending Big 12 champ, the Kansas State Wildcats. Kansas State is really good, and no one's talking about them right now. Texas, I think we all know, is is very good. And in fact, the committee believes that they're very good. They're one of the best one-loss teams in the country, just behind Oregon after those playoff rankings came out. So Texas, we all believe in, and Kansas State is quietly, all of a sudden, playing their best football. Wouldn't you know it? It's the month of November, and wouldn't you know it? Kansas State, here they come. Really love this Wildcats team, and you you know that this is a good Wildcats team because Vegas only has this as a four-and-a-half-point spread. So Texas is favored by four-and-a-half at home against Kansas State. Texas has won the last six meetings, okay? So they they, they have the, the recency um, of that success, but five of those six have been one-score games. I, I don't see this not being a one-score game, to be honest with you. The way that this is panning out, as I'm prepping for this game and watching the film, I just want to be clear. I'm thoroughly impressed with both teams. I think these both of these teams 
are really good. I've talked about Texas at length this season. You know how I feel about how much more real they are at the line of scrimmage. And I think the evidence of that has been borne out through the production of Jonathan Brooks, the running back. Now, he's very good, but I think even he would have to say, like, I, I'm not quite Bijan Robinson. And yet, he's giving us from a production standpoint and a numbers standpoint exactly what Bijan was giving Texas last year. It, it speaks to the greatness of Bijan because this, this offensive line is so much better. Every one of their starters returning. They've got more depth. So even when they've gotten banged up at times, they've had the depth to go in there and continue to play well up front. Jonathan Brooks has been really game, uh, really good. Through eight games, he's got 115 yards per game. He's fifth in the country in rushing, fourth in the country in scrimmage yards at over 141. Eerily similar to what Bijan was doing from a production standpoint a year ago. So they still have that. Now, they don't have their starting quarterback, Quinn Ewers. Uh, coach has said he's he's week to week with an AC joint sprain in his shoulder. I know exactly what he's going through, by the way. You can kind of see it through the sweater right there. You can kind of see the lump. Yeah, I could even do what no, I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna show you my shoulder. That, that would be gross. I separated my AC joint. It was grade four. I believe Quinn's is grade two. He should be good somewhat um soon. I just don't think it's going to be this week. This this week is probably just too close. And, and what you want if you're Texas is to get him back 100%. You don't want Quinn going out there 85%, taking another hit, and then all of a sudden it lingers through the course of the year. This type of injury will heal on its own. It just needs the proper time to do so. Now, he's going to have to deal with a little pain, certainly. And you know what? As a player, you've got to deal with that. But I don't think it's going to be this week which means that it's probably Malik Murphy. And I say probably only because I know that Arch Manning has been playing really well in practice. They have an oar in the Arch Manning. He's been taking some of the first team reps. I'm not saying that he's going to get on the field, in particular in crunch time, but I do know that he has been earning a lot more attention down in Austin over the last few weeks with the way that he's been practicing. So they are thrilled with their quarterback position Currently, even with Quinn being down. Now, Malik played pretty well a week ago in a win. And this is the type of guy that has an immense amount of talent. I do think that he will make some young mistakes. Why? Because he's a young player. So you've got to at least anticipate that with some of the good will come some of the bad. And, and that's not a knock against Murphy. That's just what it is to start as a young quarterback in college football. He threw a couple of throws in that BYU game that I look at and I'm like, okay, probably shouldn't do that. Got away with it. If you're watching on YouTube, you're seeing one of them right now. He goes over the middle to Dejavian Sanders, the, the, the uh, tight end, and he threw it under pressure late over the middle and was bailed out. Then he makes some incredible plays and incredible throws. He's a natural thrower of the football. The ball pops out of his hand. I'm excited to watch him play, but he is a young quarterback. So you have to at least anticipate that at times he will put the ball in precarious spots. And against Kansas State, that's not what you want to do. In fact, Kansas State in the back half of the season, their, their resurgence, if you want to call it that, after the uh, loss to Oklahoma State, has mainly been due to the fact that they have been much better in the turnover margin. So their defense has been able to get takeaways and their offense has stopped giving the ball up. It's a big reason why they're playing so much better. 
But Murphy and Brooks are really a key for Texas. That offensive line, a key for Texas. This defense for Texas has been solid. So where does this game actually come down to? The game comes down to, for me, what these teams do in the red zone. I know that could be fairly obvious, but Kansas State is so good in the red zone on both sides of the ball. Defensively, they're one of the best uh, red zone teams in the country. And just so that you know, when I refer to red zone, I refer to touchdowns in the red zone. The percentage of just like scoring in the red zone, if you're kicking field goals, you're losing in the red zone. So for me, it's about touchdown percentage in the red zone. Kansas State's red zone defense, number three in the country in touchdown percentage. Texas offensively has not been good in that area. They're 120th in the country in red zone touchdown percentage. On the other side of the ball, it's another place where the Wildcats really excel. They're one of the best in the country, one of the best in the Big 12. And once they get into that area of the field offensively, they put the ball in the end zone. Now, their offense has looked a little bit different over the last couple of weeks. They've gone with more of a two-quarterback system. It's not a fully, entirely 50-50 quarterback uh, system, but you will get Will Howard, the veteran who won the Big 12 championship a year ago, and you will get Avery Johnson. Avery Johnson a little bit smaller, much faster. Not that Will is not good with his legs, but Johnson is very fast, and, and he's a threat on the outside, and he throws it well. Um, Texas has, I should just say, struggled a little bit with running quarterbacks this year. It's one of the reasons why Dylan Gabriel was able to get loose and win that Red River game, was the Texas lost contain of the quarterback. That's something to watch in this game. This one should be very, very tight. Kansas uh, State has won three straight games since losing to Oklahoma State. By the way, that loss looks a little bit better now that you know that the Cowboys have the nation's leading rusher in Ollie Gordon, right? I mean, so perspective has been key with Kansas State. And Kansas State in the last two games, get this, they've outscored TCU and Houston 82-3. to 82-3. Remember, this is the same Houston team that the week prior took Texas right down to the wire. So this one should be a really good one. And we're going to find out a lot about the Big 12 race after this weekend because we've got Bedlam uh, um, uh, up in Stillwater. I'll talk about that game in a little bit. You've got this game. You've got five teams that are four and one. These are four of them playing. You've also got Iowa State. So we're going to figure out a lot about who's going to be in the uh, catbird seat, if you want to call it that, in the Big 12 after this weekend. Kansas State, Texas, Gus, Ginny, and I will be there. Can't wait for that one. Um, big one in the SEC, and, and in particular in the SEC West, as we all know. Huge game, LSU on the road at Bama. Bama is favored by the home field advantage, basically, by three. So Brian Kelly takes his team after a really poor start from LSU. They've gotten a lot better, and a lot of it has just been their offense is outstanding. Outstanding. I, I look at this team, and I think to myself, boy, can anybody hold them under 40 points? Don't know. Don't know. Even Alabama, and I, and I like Bama defensively, but even Alabama. Jaden Daniels for LSU is just playing at such a high level. It's one of the reasons why I like him. He's one of my, my favorites in the Heisman Trophy race because he has big stages like this one against Bama. He's been playing incredible football. He's got great weapons on the outside, Malik Neighbors being one of them, Brian Thomas being another one. They play efficient, and then they also have to. 
Okay, so he's not in a J.J. McCarthy mode where he's playing really well and they don't need all of his production so he doesn't play in the fourth quarter. No, 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 no. With Jaden Daniels, they need all of it. Every yard he can muster, every point he can muster, they're probably going to need it. Why? Well, because they're the number one scoring offense in the country. Yes, we know that. But they're the number 75 scoring defense in the country. So there's this feeling of the old Oklahoma, USC, kind of outscore them, no defense type of team, which means they need all of it. So Jaden's, the pressure on Jaden is immense. He cannot have a bad game against Alabama. LSU does not win this game unless Jaden Daniels goes off. He's got to be, as the kids say it, he's got to slay in this game. Is that what they say? I don't even know. Jaden is playing amazing, but he has to play amazing. That's the point. Alabama, on the other hand, they're trying to win with complementary football. This is a different style Bama team than what we've seen over the last few years. And so they're trying to piece this together. They don't protect the quarterback very well. I don't love the thought of them getting into a one-dimensional, have-to-throw-it style of game with Jalen Milrow at quarterback. I don't think their fans would want that either. So they want to slow this one down. They need to play possession offense. They need to limit the possessions for Jaden Daniels and the LSU Tigers. They can do that because LSU is no good on the defensive side. They just aren't. I like Bama's run game in this one. I like the, the, the thought, at least, of Bama being able to protect their passer a little bit better because this is what's so, so wild, though. Even with Harold Perkins out there, and I know that they didn't use him as a pass rusher early, which is wild, but like LSU just doesn't get to the quarterback. I don't, I don't get it, but they don't. And Bama, that's one area that I feel like you really have to exploit their weakness protecting the quarterback. If you look up, Bama has allowed the third most sacks in the Power Five. That's wild. We all know who's given up the most sacks in the Power Five. If you don't know, then you haven't been paying attention. Colorado, looking at you. Alabama's given up 35 sacks. If LSU... If Her Let's just say this. If Harold Perkins doesn't have a monster game, it probably means that Alabama is on schedule. If Alabama is on schedule, they will di dictate the entire tempo of this game. They will dictate exactly how many possessions that LSU and Jaden Daniels get. So the biggest key in this game is not actually Jaden Daniels. It's Harold Perkins. Because Perkins has got to get to Milrow. They have to force Alabama into throwing it when they have to versus when they want to. I talk about this all the time, and it, and it never rings more true than a team like Alabama. And so, for me, that's where the game lies. Now, Bama is favored by three. I have said this, and I will maintain this. I don't love the thought of them getting in a shootout and having to win to score 40 points or 42 points. I, I just don't. And I do think that this LSU offense has the ability to do that. So against my better judgment, because I never like to pick against Alabama, never, I'm going to take LSU in this game. Even on the road, I get it. Listen, I get it, all of it. You never beat top 10 teams on the road. I get it. 
But it's just like this matchup's not good for Alabama. It's just not good for Alabama. So for that reason, I'm going to take Jaden Daniels. I'm going to take LSU. And the sleeper for the CFP, in my mind, stays alive. And LSU might, might have the ability to become the first two-loss team to get into the playoff. I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here as in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. Hey, it's my favorite time of year. It's football season. And as you know, I take it seriously. So when I'm traveling on the road to watch my favorite teams, I cannot risk calling the wrong play with where I stay. So wherever I go, I know that I can count on Hampton by Hilton. I can depend on their comfortable rooms, their warm and friendly service, and this is the game changer, their free hot breakfast. I love this. Warm cup of coffee, hot, fresh waffle. It's a game changer for me. So whether you're cheering on your team from the stands or never leaving the tailgate, Hampton by Hilton will always give you that win. All right, let's move on, and I'm going to go a little quicker. Those were two kind of the bigger games of the day, and now we got six more. Let's go a little bit rapid fire. Washington at USC. So the Huskies on the road, only favored by three and a half. That one jumped out to me a little bit. This one could be a very high-scoring game. In fact, over-under in this one is 76 and a half. Both of these offenses, obviously potent. Washington came in at number five in the playoff rankings, the last among the Power Five undefeateds. So maybe they feel like they need a little something to prove. This is not a team that has been been playing well recently. This is the reason that they fell at number five versus being in the top four, even with that big win against Oregon, which is the playoff committee's top one loss team at number six in the playoff rankings. Why? Why is that? Best win in the in the country so far, arguably, and yet they fall as the last undefeated? Well, because they looked really bad against Arizona State at home when they couldn't score an offensive touchdown, and then they survived against Stanford on the road. Now, candidly, and if you haven't been paying attention, Stanford is a lot better than what they were earlier in the year. Alec A.O. Manor, this wide receiver, is, is a dude. We found out about that in the second half against Colorado when he went for, like, I believe it was just short of 1,100 yards just in the second half. Might be a little bit of an exaggeration, but certainly what it felt like when I was up at one in the morning in Michigan waiting for that game and watching that Friday night game. I digress. Stanford dropped a fourth down play late in that game. Would have given them an opportunity to kick a field goal late and go up. As it was, they give the ball back. Washington goes down and scores, and they win. So they remain undefeated, but they have not been dominant the last couple of weeks. Now, you can say the same about USC. And this is a gauntlet that is just unrelenting for USC. Remember, they're in the middle of nine consecutive weeks against Power 5 opponents. Nobody does that. Nobody. And and you're seeing some of the remnants of that because they are a bit up and down. They play a little bit sluggish at times. You, You know that the energy is tough, and it's been a tough season for them. There's been so much said in terms of a narrative on the outside of this team. The expectations were sky high with Caleb Williams coming back from that Heisman Trophy, and they have, in large respect, fallen short of those expectations. And yet, and yet, they're sitting there still with just one loss in Pac-12 play and have everything out in front of them. A win this week at home puts them basically in the Pac-12 championship. Now, 
They still have to play Oregon, and there's a lot of football still to play, but boy, it separates them out and puts them on par to be basically the number one seed in the conference. They've got a lot to play for. The other side of this game, and you guys know exactly what I'm going to talk about, cannot wait to watch these two quarterbacks have at it. Michael Penix and Caleb Williams. I just hope and I and I pray that we get one of those, you know, Pat Mahomes, Baker Mayfield shootouts. Remember that one? Texas Tech and Oklahoma. I want to see Penix and Caleb basically just have to answer each other's scores every possession. That's what I want to see. Now, that's going to give all the fans a heart attack and certainly the coaches a heart attack, but these two defenses have been struggling at best. At best, look at USC over the last, let's see, five weeks. They've given up 41, 41, 48, 34, and 49 over the last five. Do we really think they're stopping Washington? No, even if Jalen McMillan can't be healthy, and he hasn't been healthy over the last couple of of, of weeks, and that's certainly impacted Washington's ability to play well offensively. But man, like, let's just put it this way. I'll be shocked if Washington doesn't score 45 points. Shocked. So can Caleb score 46, 50, 52? I kind of hope we get that style of game. Washington's favored by three and a half. I'm going to take Washington. I'm going to take Washington in that one. I think they win by a score. They win by a score. Uh, Let's move on. SEC. The SEC, uh, the East is basically going to be won on Saturday when UGA Georgia, with how well they're playing, favored by 15 and a half, hosts Mizzou. Now, this is the start of the, the quote-unquote, more difficult stretch for, for Missouri. Still not all that difficult. Mizzou almost pulled off the upset last year in Columbia. That's going to get the attention of the Bulldogs. The Bulldogs certainly seem to have their full focus and attention on the playing field, in particular after the Brock Bowers injury. And I do find it a bit of it, uh, interesting. And this can happen. Your best player goes down, and it's it's a circle the wagons mentality from everybody else. And so Georgia is playing really well now without Bowers. This is going to pay huge dividends for them down the stretch. They looked very good against Florida. Carson Beck has been really good. Quietly, Carson Beck, and, I, and I've said this on a couple of podcasts already, so forgive me if I'm being redundant. If, if you don't get a chance, or if you do get a chance, sorry, Go check out Breaking the Huddle this week because I'm going to give you some Carson Beck film. Uh, hopefully get it here on the on the YouTube channel for Joel Klatt Show as well. Uh, we're, we'll try. I don't, I don't know if we're going to be able to. But Carson's playing really, really good. In fact, Carson Beck, 300 yards passing in four of his last five games. He's going to have one of the most productive seasons a quarterback has ever had at Georgia, and he's doing that right now at least without Brock Bowers. Uh, this is going to be a bit of a, a homecoming, even though Georgia is going to host this game. Dominic Lovett is going to face his old team. He's a Mizzou transfer. Georgia's run game is starting to get going. Their pass game is starting to get going. The defense looks fast. I like Georgia, even the 15 and a half. Sorry, Mizzou. I'm taking Georgia, uh, and I'm, I'm giving the 15 and a half. Bedlam. It's going to be a good one, huh? Oklahoma favored by six against Oklahoma State. In the last bedlam for the foreseeable future, and Oklahoma's going to head to the SEC, and can you imagine that environment on Saturday in Stillwater? It's always good for bedlam. I've I've been there, and I've, I've done a bedlam game in, in Stillwater. In fact, the bedlam game I did in Stillwater, the last one, Mayfield and Hollywood Brown, I believe that was the infamous 
Who is this kid? Where did he come from? And I was like, well, Gus, he's a junior college transfer from College of the Canyons, I believe it was. Um, anyways, I digress. The environment's going to be, I almost said toxic. It's not going to be toxic. That's not the right word. It's going to be electric. There's going to be some vitriol. Oklahoma State hates Oklahoma. This is a huge rivalry. Then you compound that with the fact that OU is leaving for the SEC. Basically leaves, at least in, in Oklahoma State's view, leaves them for dead. Just leaves them behind. Can you imagine how that makes Mike Gundy an alum feel? Can you? Can you imagine how it makes a, a, a fan base feel that constantly feels like they are the, I don't even want to say it, but like little brother of the state? And, the, you know, if you're listening right now and you're an Oklahoma State fan, your skin just crawled. You're very mad. You're very mad. And I understand that. And that's the tension that will be in the stadium. This is going to be an incredibly difficult game to win for Oklahoma. The energy from the Cowboys and that fan base and that building is going to be off the charts. And this comes on the heels of Oklahoma losing to Kansas. There, there are some holes for Oklahoma showing up. If you're just looking at the trends, one of these teams is pointing down and the other is pointing up. Oklahoma State was left for dead. Not from a conference perspective, but when they lost, what was it, 33-7 to Alabama, South Alabama? At home. Then the next week, they lost to Iowa State, and it's and everyone is just like, okay, well, Oklahoma State's done. Remember all those kids transferred? And lo and behold, here comes Mike Gundy, one of the best coaches in America, and what does he do? He figures it out. Like great coaches do, he figures it out. And what did he figure out? Ollie Gordon. Ollie Gordon is the nation's leading rusher. And he wasn't even a featured rusher over the last, uh, first three games. He's the first Cowboys running back to run for 250 yards in back-to-back -back games since Barry Sanders. I pause because when you mention someone in the same breath as Barry Sanders, just everyone just stop for a moment, all of us together. That's right. You feel the the tension in the air. You mentioned that guy. It's greatness. Ollie has 280 yards from scrimmage in each of his last three games. Catches it well out of the backfield. This is a team that can run it really well, and it's a team in Oklahoma that really struggled against the run last week against Kansas. People kind of forget, like, Kansas didn't even have their starting quarterback and beat this Oklahoma team. OU gave up 225 rushing yards last week to Kansas. If you look at this OU team, it's eerily similar to the way they played a year ago. So in the first five games this year, they played really well. They gave up 11 points per game on defense. Then in the last three, all one possession games against, let's see, it was uh, Texas, UCF, and then obviously the loss to Kansas, they've given up over 30 points per game and 450 yards per game. That's almost identical to what they did statistically a year ago. What had happened a year ago? They lost six one possession games. So, like, to think that this, I just think this is going to be tough. And, and, and I, I just disagree with Vegas in this one. Oklahoma's favored by six. I don't love that. I love Oklahoma State's trajectory. I love where they're strong in relation to where OU is strong. 
Alan Bowman, their their quarterback, is an experienced guy. He's in his third school. He started 23 career games at Texas Tech, Michigan, and Oklahoma State. Winner puts themselves in amazing shape to get to the Big 12 championship game. And wouldn't it be crazy if Oklahoma beats Texas? We all are like, oh, they're a playoff team. They're going to immediately go on, and they're going to do big things this year. They're certainly going to be in the Big 12 championship game. What happens if they lose a couple? They would be certainly on the outside looking in as it related to even getting to the Big 12 championship and their playoff hopes would be dashed. And that team that they're playing wants nothing more than to end, quote-unquote, this season for OU. A loss ends the playoff hopes. It probably ends their Big 12 title hopes. Probably. There would still be a path, but it would be very slim to get to that Big 12 title game. They will be out for all of it. Oklahoma State, I like the Cowboys in this one. I know they're six-point dogs, but they're at home. I'm just telling you, everything surrounding this game screams a huge home team effort by the Cowboys. All right, let's move on. Uh, huge game in the ACC to really separate who's going to be the second-best team in that conference and who, and who's going to represent uh, that conference in the ACC title game. I think we all expect, as we should, the very good Florida State Seminoles to be in that game. They're undefeated. They've put themselves in that position. The teams at second and third right now in the standings in the ACC are Virginia Tech and Louisville. Virginia Tech third, Louisville second. So the Hokies are going to travel to face Louisville, and Louisville is going to be favored by nine and a half. This Virginia Tech team started the season one and three, we didn't talk about them, probably rightly so, but they've bounced back. They've won three of their last four in ACC play, and their quarterback, Kyron Drones, has been a really good dual threat for them with his legs and through the air. The Hokies, they ran it for 300 yards last week against Syracuse. I've got a, 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 an acquaintance. I call him an acquaintance just because that's going to drive him nuts. And he went to Syracuse. He listens every week. And, and I would just say, like, Nothing to write home about. Running for 300 yards against Syracuse. That's just a shot at my friend, not at Syracuse. Just uh, want everyone to. So, my friend Mike, hello, and we'll see you this weekend. Um, I like the Hokies' defense. Brent Pry is a defensive guy, their head coach. Remember, he was the coordinator at Penn State. In fact, when he was the coordinator at Penn State, just a little bit behind the curtain, most of the offensive coaches or head coaches that were offensive coaches in the Big Ten pointed at Brent Pry and said, that's the best defensive coordinator. Uh, in the Big Ten. And so now he's at Virginia Tech, and their defense has been really good. They've got 15 sacks over the last two games. They had seven against Wake, eight against Cuse. I just still like Louisville. You know, they've won nine straight at home. They just shut out Duke last week, 23-0. Jordan, they're back. He's been good. He ran for a career high, 163 last week. I like Louisville at home. I, you know, you look, you look at in totality what Virginia Tech is, and it's like the, the teams that they've beat to get to this point are not as quality as Louisville. So this is certainly going to be a step up for Virginia Tech. And, and going on the road, I, I just I don't trust them. Now, nine and a half is a lot, but I, I, I kind of like Louisville and that one even with the nine and a half. All right. This one doesn't really have league implications, but these last two are just a couple of really good just for overarching storylines. Notre Dame, number 15 in the country, they're favored by three at home, or excuse me, on the road um, against Clemson. So Clemson is a home dog. And boy, has it been a rough season in Clemson. Tyler from Spartanburg is spouting off against Dabo. 
real quickly on that, if you haven't heard like that whole thing or, or seen that story, just Google it. There was a caller in a call-in show. His name was Tyler from Spartanburg. And Tyler took some personal shots at Dabo Sweeney in, in, in the form of veiled, you know, overarching criticism of the program. And he tried to say, like, I'm a fan and, and you know, I'm trying to respect you. But then he threw some personal daggers at, at Dabo about his arrogance. Um, and Dabo responded basically in kind and was like, you're the problem. Now, I'm, I'm summarizing here. Go listen to it for yourself. I will just tell you, I thought both of those gentlemen probably want that back. Tyler, if he's as big of a fan as he says he is, probably wants to at least phrase his questions or his points differently and, and in a less personal fashion. And Dabo, as is the case with Dabo, probably needed to stop after the first 20 or 25 seconds of his answer. Then it was the next two minutes that ended up getting him in trouble as he got himself worked up. Dabo doesn't need to respond like that. And quite frankly, you can't just say, like, look at all the success that we've had and I'm absolved from criticism now because of that. No, I mean, every season has to live on its own and stand on its own. And you are what your record says that you are. That is an old adage in football that rings true now. It, it, it rung true in the past, and it will ring true in the future. You are what your record says that you are. Because we go out there and play, and there's a scoreboard. And when the clock hits zero, you either win or you lose. That's kind of a bottom line. They've been a great program. It's not this year. They're four and four. Notre Dame is a better team than Clemson. We'll see what type of pride the Tigers have, certainly. But with a veteran quarterback like Sam Hartman, I like Notre Dame. After their bye week, they came out and destroyed Pitt 58 to 7. They can run it. Hartman is, is a very good player. And Clemson doesn't do anything like this offense. I thought Garrett Riley was going to turn this offense around. He's their new offensive coordinator. He came in from TCU from a year ago. And it just hasn't worked out. It hasn't worked out. Clemson is not good on the offensive side. I think Dabo needs to modernize his program. A lot of us think that. But until he does, they're going to be sitting there. They're 96th in the country in yards per attempt. 96th. That's not going to cut it. So there's no amount of like orange magic or, or Death Valley magic that's going to show up. Notre Dame is a better team than Clemson. They have better personnel. Right now, they've got better schematics. Notre Dame's going to win the game. I like Notre Dame in this one. And Clemson, four and five? You think Tyler from Spartansburg was bad? Wait until they go four and five. Maybe need to cancel the call-in show next week. Just saying. Last one, favorite game of the day. No, I mean, the game that I'm at is always the favorite. But you know how I always end these preview shows. Who am I going to talk about? Air Force. Let's go. Air Force Falcons, Army Air Force in Denver, Air Force favored by 18 and a half, a win for Air Force, again, neutral site in Denver, so this is going to be played at the Broncos Stadium. I don't even know what they call it now. I believe it's Empower Field at Mile High. Weird. I grew up there. It's just like Mile High Stadium. Can we just call it Mile? And Empower is probably like, we didn't pay millions of dollars for you to call it Mile High Stadium. Fine. Empower Field. Air Force can clinch the Commander-in-Chief's trophy with a win. Army has not been good this year. They've lost five in a row. They're two and six. 
Air Force comes in at number 25 in the rankings, just behind Tulane. Didn't agree with that, by the way, and I didn't want to get into it because that one felt more personal for me. So I thought I was going to say something I shouldn't about the committee, which is why I didn't address it too much in, in, in my reaction show yesterday. But they were just behind Tulane, who was 24. I want to see Air Force in the New Year's, New Year's Six. And I know people from Tulane are going to be upset with that, but like, I just want to see it. I grew up watching this team. I, I would love to see I would love to see a service academy in a game of that magnitude. I don't think that we've seen a service academy in a game of that magnitude in the bowl season since like the 60s, I want to say. So like I want to I want to see this. This is a really good team. Zach Larrier, he bounced back from that knee injury, but he hasn't been quite the same runner. Uh he averaged 5.8 yards per carry before the injury. He he banged up his knee against Wyoming. He's averaged 2.1 per carry since in the last two games. I like Air Force, best rushing team in the country. I like them to beat Army. The service academy games are are tough, and they're favored by a lot. 18 and a half is a lot. They might get like six possessions each. <laughs> you know, like it's good. Don't show up late in Denver. Get yourself parked, get in there, and support the service academies. Uh, I love that game. That's gonna do it for the Joel Klatt show. Uh, this week. I hope you enjoy the games, everybody. Big thanks to Hampton by Hilton. The show is presented by Hampton by Hilton. You can follow us on social media at Joel Klatt Show. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and share it with a friend. Folks, November is going to be epic. We have not had a year that has been this balanced in college football, at least in a decade. Share this show with a friend. It, it's going to increase your enjoyment of the college football season as we go down the stretch. Kind of like Clark Griswold and the lights in the house. I hope uh, it enjoys, enhances your holiday spirit. I hope this show enhances your holiday spirit as we move down the stretch in college football. Enjoy the games, everybody. And Gus, Ginny, and I will be in Austin, Texas.